Hello, my friends. I'm Michelle Robinson, and thanks for joining me here today on Boss Talk, where every conversation is meant to build you up so you can walk in your purpose. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Boss Talk. I'm Michelle Robinson, and I'm so, so blessed to have Michelle Louvier with me today. And Michelle, I'm just going to open it right up because share your background. I mean, I know you worked with Hurricane Katrina. You were one of the leading trauma um, experts to help get everybody through that. You were with me in Las Vegas. We, we met with probably at least 50, 60 of the top leaders um, that were first responders in Las Vegas after the shooting. Uh, you're kind of the, the rescuer of like all these different <laughs> tragedies. I hate to say that, but that's how God has used you in so yeah. many ways. But can you tell me your background, just how you even got yeah. into helping yeah. people? Oh, I'm, first of all, thanks so much for just inviting me on. It's just great just to sit with you and yeah. <laughs> talk today. Um, so basically, I'm, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist who uh, started counseling um, over 25 years ago. And um, so basically was uh, up in the Northwest, was from Louisiana, but was up in the Northwest when Hurricane Katrina happened, um, was called back to help with the recovery in, in New Orleans and a our church had the largest um, disaster relief response on the on the Gulf Coast. We work with about 144,000 families the first year after Katrina, and so it was uh, developed a, a counseling center and that basically you know had I don't know 40 counselors or so at one point work in, and we were just in the trenches and 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 learned um, lots of evidence based ways to really help people recover from deep suffering and pain. Um, working with American Association of Christian Counselors and basically being able to respond to all kinds of traumatic events. Um, the fires in California, multiple hurricanes, including Puerto Rico and Staten Island and, you know, just uh, Houston. And, and certainly, um, as our Louisiana people say, we sort of live in the cone of uncertainty. Uh, obviously, yeah. I'm starting to wonder. Yeah, we do. We've had so much trauma in our area. And then and then basically, um, you know, uh, went to Las Vegas and and then now sort of in the last, you know, few months have sort of really been trying to figure out how do we respond to COVID and all of the challenges of 2020. Um, I have an agency called uh, The Refuge 18-2 in Mattery, Louisiana, which is a suburb of New Orleans. And our counselors specifically focus on healing um, intensive post-traumatic stress disorder. It's called The Refuge of... 18-2. The Refuge 18-2. Yes, okay. uh, that's from Psalms 18-2. Oh, that's neat. I love that. Well, yeah. no, you're not just somebody that uh, is an expert. You're also a friend. And I'm so thankful to have you on today because I think, you know, I was saying, Michelle, and the reason why I wanted to have you on is just because, you know, I think so many people right now in this whole COVID thing, and then now we're dealing with the whole election thing. And we've kind of been hit one thing. It's almost like almost, almost one hurricane after another kind of kind of like Louisiana, you know, I mean, but yeah. Um, and then when I was with you in Las Vegas and we worked with uh, the first responders and I remember just looking at their faces and these were first responders. These weren't, these weren't what these people didn't have something actually physically happen to them personally um, for the most part. And their faces just, they looked tired. They looked um, exhausted. They, they, 
seemed at a loss. They needed somebody to come in and lift them. And so that's really why I had you on today, because I think there's so many people who are feeling that way. Um, They're feeling like they've been hit over and over and it's an emotional thing. It's not even, it's almost harder because it's not like there was a fire or a tornado. It's like something we don't see, but there's this like oppression that I think if we, how do we deal with that? Are you feeling the same way? Are you seeing that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I've spent, obviously I have a, a lot of clients that I work with every week and then churches that I consult with and, and just working with pastors and people across the, the country. And I, the thing is, is that there's some definite, I think 2020 has, has pushed, we're all very, very resilient as human beings, but it has pushed some of our resiliency to the end. And you're right on, like if there's a hurricane, which we've had just last week, <laughs> so that's, we just went through a hurricane here last week. But um, if you have this event, like it ends, you know, the, most of them do pretty quickly. It's like it comes through and then you can start the recovery process. 2020, um, it hasn't ended. And I'm, and I, I'm super concerned about like January the 2nd, because I think that people have some kind of thought that, oh, if I can just get through this year, I'm going to be okay. Yeah, they do. I think. And they, yeah. when they wake up on January the 2nd and they go, oh my gosh, COVID's still here. And right. there's still these challenges that I think that we're really going to have even even a bigger mental health crisis than we already are seeing beginning wow. to see now. And so I think in the sense is, is that I think that the, the challenges and you and I know this is like a lot of times when disasters hit, um, people come from the outside, they come in, they bring hope. They're like, okay, hey, we're here to help you. But this year, basically this has impacted everybody. And, and with COVID specifically, like there's no end in sight and there's a lot of uncertainty. And so you, you do just get weary, you get, you know, and I, oh, I was going to tell you this, like, you probably remember this, like one of the things that we tell people after disaster is, it's like, oh my gosh, your attachments and your connections and touching and hugging and closeness is what really helps sort of calm your nervous yeah, system down. Yeah, and yeah. you can't do that with COVID, right? right. Like it's, well, everybody's got to, <laughs> yeah, you're not supposed to, right? You're supposed to, you know, but I mean, that's the whole thing is, it's like, there's no one coming in to help. Right. And then when when here we all all are in our communities and there's been so many changes and challenges and fear and uncertainty, I think weary is probably the best word to describe where many people are and afraid. I think, you know, what's next? But well, and uh, I remember I was down in Florida recently and, you know, Florida has an optional mask rule. So you don't have to wear a mask. Well, Surprisingly, nobody was wearing masks, really. I mean, there was maybe a few people. Um, And it was a really, you know, it really makes you know how God made us. Because just seeing people's faces and seeing them smile and engaging with them, like there was something about that that just brought happiness to me. And I was like, that's strange. Like seeing somebody's face just so exhilarating. It just was like, oh, my God, this... I forgot what that felt like. I forgot, I I haven't seen, you know, and it's not like I don't see people's faces. We go to restaurants, but it was like, I was directly engaging constantly with people. It wasn't like when you're in a restaurant, you're kind of in your own circle, you're talking, you're not really, you're not engaging eye to eye with people. But in Florida, when I was there, everywhere I went, I mean, I was just looking right at people. I was looking in their faces. We were smiling, We we were saying hello. 
And it's really odd because even today I was at the gym and you know you wear a mask in, so I had my mask on and and I would look at people and I'd be like, hello, but I felt weird saying hello behind my mask. It was like I wanted to take it down and go, hi. Right. <laughs> you know, so it, it's like God, how did God make us a certain way to need those types of things? Well, we were, you know, if you look at the very core of who we are as people, we were created to connect to love and be loved, right? And so to connect with our with God and and then to basically be able to to like connect. And so our from a scientific, from a body, from a emotional, from a spiritual standpoint, we need connection and touch. And we weren't created to, you know, have distance and, you know, to not be able to touch each other. So I think that that was, that's the part that I think is going to be very interesting long-term um, to look at just the, the long-term research around COVID and, and how that's impacted us as, as people is because you really did take away the, the, the thing that uh, disaster specialists and trauma specialists say is most critical is wow. to basically be able to come in and have that presence and to be able to connect and to be able to be seen and touched and loved. Wow. And it was like, all of a sudden we were in this, you know, very scary place. And oh, by the way, you can't really go and hang out with the people, your you know, close friends and people that you care about. I mean, yeah. devastating on so many levels. I mean, we could talk about all day, just how this has impacted children and how it's impacted elderly people and how it's impacted everybody in between that. Um, but it's, it's, it's not over with. And what we know about trauma and disasters um, is that the longer that you're in it and the more that the closer you are to the um, life threatening part. So when you think about COVID, for example, is that, you know, people don't know if you get it, you know, will I die from this? You know, like yeah. you don't know, like I, I'm actually a COVID survivor. So figured I might as well join in with the fun of that as well. And yeah. that was the scariest part of that was like when you first got sick, it was like, okay, I don't know where this is going. Right. So you I talk about, yeah. So you talk about basically like for a whole world of people who basically were, uh, who are afraid and who have been isolated and that fear it's um, that's where you get the best chances of developing post-traumatic stress disorder because long-term, the longer it is, the more intense, the closer you are, like if you had family members who died or if you got really sick or you just were fearful before, you know, I mean, the closer you are to all that, the more damage it's done. And so, we don't have the connections to like help us sort of try to calm those places down. So it's like a okay. double whammy. Thank you, God, for platforms like this. Because I remember when it first happened, only like probably a few weeks in, or it was probably, I think Texas was shut down and we couldn't actually go anywhere and except for to the store for essentials. And right. um, I remember just getting on Zoom with my entire family and right. just the feeling of just knowing that I could do that was so incredible because, yeah. you know, even my parents, they had to figure the technology out. Right. <laughs> Because they were like, we don't know how to do this. I'm like, we're gonna figure it out. I'm gonna walk right, you through right. it because I have right. to see you. I have to see you. We're a yeah. close family, and we gain so much from just connecting with each other, you know. So, exactly. so you know, we're seeing a huge rise, and this is heartbreaking in in suicides. Yes, and um, you know, it's it's like so difficult to watch because you know people are saying, well, okay, 
Yes, there's, and I think people are getting to the point, and at least I know I'm in a great state of Texas, so it's a little bit different because I'm not in a state that, you know, and even my sister who's in San Diego, but the people in Northern California are experiencing something totally different than Southern right. California. So, you know, so depending on where you're at depends on really the level of, I think, um, you know, just the isolation, because at least for us, we don't feel isolated at all because right. you know, we're engaging. I just was at lunch somewhere. It was absolutely packed. You know, it's like, right. you know, and I figured everybody in there is not afraid because otherwise they wouldn't be at lunch. Right. So I literally sat at a bar, which I thought was interesting because there was no spacing really. In fact, I sat next to this guy and then the girl that I was meeting for lunch, cause we didn't want to wait. Um, I asked the guy, I go, are you okay? Because I just want to make sure he wasn't going to freak out that I'm sitting right. next to him. And he goes, right. I'm okay. Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> I go, I'm fine. <laughs> but I think you get to a point at some point people are going, I'd rather die than lose connection. Yeah. I mean, I, that's what I keep hearing. People are like, I really don't care anymore. I just don't care. I just don't care. So, but then there's the people who are, are still, I, I know other people who are wearing two masks everywhere they go, or I just talked to somebody who said they are literally not leaving their house except for essentials. Right. So you have these extreme, mm -hmm. these extreme cases and, and then you're dealing with, I mean, there's, it's just, we're living in, a, in, in, in that craziness. Now we have the election mm -hmm. right. where I'm on a text message with probably about 10 women and you know, there, we're an all, we're really just business leaders. So we all have different faith backgrounds. I don't even know if some of them may not even be quote Christian. And one of them yesterday was just like, just in the middle of this group, just saying, I'm so afraid of this. I'm so afraid of that. I'm so afraid this could happen. I'm so, I'm so glad I moved from New York and I'm in Texas. Cause you know, and like, she was just going on and on. And I was thinking, man, how many, you know, cause I don't, you know, I don't live in that kind of fear. So I'm thinking I, how, how many, what is the reality of how many people are living in that type of fear? It breaks my heart, you know? Yeah, it's heartbreaking. I think there's a, a few pieces to that, Michelle. I think one is, is that, so when you've got new trauma and whether that's COVID or a hurricane or it's election or it's racial tension or any of those things, what happens is, is that the pressure of that new trauma kicks up any of the old traumas that you haven't healed. So uh, it's, yeah, you're right. So, right. Yep. So mm -hmm. it's got like, so you've got such a, a, some of the, the vast responses to what's going on is because it's connected in with people's personal stories and, and what's happened to them. Uh, a lot of times, you know, like one of the things we found out, you know, okay. right after Katrina was like, people would come in and it would be like, Hey, you know, I had all this, lost everything for Katrina and pets died and my parents or my friends died. And then they would come in and they would tell you a little bit about that. But then pretty quickly they would go, Hey, by the way, I've never told anybody, but when I was a kid, this happened and this happened and this happened wow. because the pressure of new stuff basically oh. picks up all of those unhealed tra traumatic places. So when you're talking about, so you've got like people basically being pretty escalated because, you know, it's, it's coming, we live in a very traumatized society. 
Uh, in New Orleans recently, they said by the time a kid hits 18, they've already experienced eight to 10 traumatic events on average. Really? Wow. Are you so, serious? You know, and it obviously it depends on your communities. It depends on where you live and, you know, lots of factors, but we, we have so much trauma in our, in our society. And so the more trauma and people's inability to sort of, um, well, look, here's the other piece. We basically don't like to suffer and we don't like to hurt. And so we, as uh, certainly as Americans, um, are very good at, a, at trying to avoid pain and to do everything possible to not feel. So when you look at COVID, for example, you look at the numbers, I don't know if you've seen the numbers of like alcohol sales, for example. Oh yeah. yeah. Off the chart, yeah. right? Zoloft, they ran out of Zoloft, right? It was wow. like anything that Seriously. basically, yeah, seriously, they ran out of Zoloft. They wouldn't allow doctors to prescribe any new, new patients with Zoloft. They wow. basically, so then if you look at gun sales right now, with oh, the yeah. <laughs> off the chart, right? So it's all these things that basically people are desperately trying to figure out, like, how do I cope with this? Right. Um, you know, we don't have the connections. And so we don't have as much processing and that piece. But, but people are going to basically respond because either A, they don't have a lot of this trauma, you know, healed, or they don't have really good coping strategies. You know, they don't know really how, how do you, you know, I mean, back in the, the Old Testament, remember, like they'd go sit out in the ashes and well and tear their clothing and grieve, really, right. right? We're really good at push down, push down, push down, push down, ignore, um, you know, it's, it's stigma around mental health issues. We don't talk about it. <clears throat> so you, you've got this, you, it's just complicated, right? All of these factors that are going on that basically keep us pretty isolated and then we don't know what to do with the pain. And therefore then you've got your suicides that are just off the chart. You've also got sexual abuse cases, you've got wow. uh, domestic violence because again, people are, are helpless and they're powerless. Okay. And so they're trying to get power back and they take it out on the, you know, on the more vulnerable population. So we are in a, um, an ongoing traumatic event that's just creating a tsunami of, of, of disaster. You know, it, and when you talked about Katrina earlier, it was like, it, it reminds me, the only thing I can compare um, to where, where, what this feels like for me right now is, is post Katrina yeah. uh, because Katrina happened and then there was looting and, and there was this long recovery process. And then there was Rita that came in and flooded everything again. And then it was just years and years. I mean, there are places in New Orleans that still haven't been touched. You know, that and so it's like it just doesn't end. And so you're the resiliency that we have just starts to wear thin. Yeah. Right. And I think that's what you're picking up on is that just people are weary and they're, you know, their resiliency is just they're struggling. Yeah. And I think um, you know, I think we all want to feel a sense of safety. Mm -hmm. That that feeling of I feel safe. And so, you know, when people don't feel safe, they're looking for ways to feel safe. Um, and, you know, of course we're talking about all the issues. We will be talking about the hope. So hang in there. Yeah. But I want to, I want to talk about some of the, the problems that we're seeing so we can identify them as, as trauma, because that's the other thing. I know when we worked together um, for that short time, which I was so blessed to work with you uh, just doing the, the, after the shooting in Vegas and, you know, 
just talking to you and listening to all uh, the the training that you did and just hearing it over, you know, because we did a couple and absorbing it. And and then of course I've done a lot of my own stuff, but but you know, the thing about it is is that people don't even know that they're in trauma. I mean, right. so many people don't identify what we're going through as trauma. They're just like, this is horrible. My I, I'm experiencing, you know, I talked to somebody today, her husband has not traveled. He was, he's traveled his whole life right. and he hasn't traveled for the last year. And she's like, I just, just getting out of the house is like so exciting. You know, it's like, and you're dealing, I mean, there's so many dynamics to this. I mean, and really, I don't think people understand. And, and that's why, and especially in the church community, I think if we do not start understanding what happens when it comes to trauma, right. what actually uh, we are dealing with and then get trained. You know, I had a pastor say to me recently, they're like, we, we didn't go to, we didn't get our PhD in counseling. We right. got, we went to ministry school. Right. We don't know how to deal with all these problems and what's happening. It's like, and they said they had seen a huge shift, huge in, in their ministry from when they first started where, you know, maybe the problem was church was too long or, you know, <laughs> things like that, you know, the minor things. And now they're seeing sexual abuse and, right. and made suicide. And I mean, we, what we, as a, we, as a community have got to get the training to be able to respond to this type of thing. Do you, do you agree? Are you seeing oh, the same person? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like that's been sort of the, 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 you know, the goal, I guess, of, you know, the, the part of the redemption for me of, of going through Katrina was just that, that there was so much training and so many resources that were given to us as a community. And then, you know, just sort of a vision of how can I help other communities after that, just from what we've learned and experienced. But churches basically, I, I'm pretty passionate about this, Michelle, that I think that churches have to become experts in suffering and they have to know how um, trauma impacts people physiologically, emotionally, behaviorally, relationally, and spiritually. And then they have to know how to basically sit in those places and, and really like take away the shame that, you know, when people are traumatized and let's just define a trauma real quick, a trauma is something that, that happens to someone that, um, feels life-threatening in some way. It doesn't even have to be physically. It could be just but life-threatening that basically like they, they're so overwhelmed, they don't have the, the coping strategies to really handle it. So I give the example of is that everybody in our community, we put an ax, you know, up in our attic because, hey, we, we know hurricane, bad hurricanes can come. Before Katrina, people had an ax in their, in their, um, uh, attic in case a hurricane came and you needed to break it out and get on your roof and be rescued. You just did that because you knew, okay, we needed to do it, but we never expected, oh, wow. we never expected to actually use them. <laughs> okay. So you, 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 we know bad things happen, right? But we, right. but we, we don't really expect, we, we didn't, I mean, if anybody knew that COVID was going to happen, I'd love to talk to them because that one came oh. out of nowhere, right? That was so, so Great then you go like, okay, so this trauma of my life is threatened, the people I love's life is threatened. And so the, the pressure of that basically is traumatizing, 
right? And again, based on lots of different factors, it's going to have different impacts, but everybody needs to understand that they have been traumatized through this last year, multiple times. And so to know that as a church and then realize that, yeah, we have people that are suffering and from the pulpit, our staff, they, we, we need to become experts in suffering and how do we help people in those places? hundred percent. Well, you know what, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk more about some of the solutions and a little bit more about really defining even in, even more the trauma. And then I want to hear about this ax thing because I've never heard that. So we'll be right back with more um, with Michelle Louvier. Thank you. Hello, ladies. I want to take 30 seconds to talk about Gracewear Collection Jewelry. Gracewear's owners wanted to create not just another jewelry line, but a line that inspires. Their signature symbol is the shield of faith. It represents putting on that full armor of God every day. And it's a wonderful way to be out and have people ask you about your faith. Each piece is beautifully packaged in a little suede pouch with a scripture card. So head to our Instagram. It's Boss Talk Podcast. And on there, you'll see how to go to the website and get your order done today. Be a part of sharing hope, love and protection through wearing the shield of faith. So glad you guys are with us. I'm here with Michelle Louvier. We're talking about trauma and Michelle, trauma. The word trauma is, do you know the actual definition for it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I wish I would have like grabbed one. But I mean, basically when you look at, um, we can talk about trauma, we can talk about PTSD. It's just basically, yeah. it's, it's something that happens um, externally trauma is something that happens externally or internally to us that blows us up michelle's definition my definition is something happens and this is our response right and we freeze up right it's like oh my gosh like i don't know how to deal with this some people are going to have like a fight response some people are going to literally freeze just again that's sort of a physiological piece but that basically it's just overwhelming and so so here's some like normal things that happen when people have been traumatized. So I'll go give you a few things like physically people like their digestive system, you either eat more, you eat less, you basically have headaches, you have physical symptoms, you have startle reflex, fatigue, you know, um, some people will have heart palpitations. I mean, so all the physical things that you can think about Uh, behaviorally, like, you know, irritability, anger, outburst, like um, they sleep too much or too little, you know, like the, the relation relationally, we talk about like people get closer to or away. Um, we talk about, you know, the emotional pieces like highs and lows and just extremes, uh, lots of like guilt or isolation or just a- high anger. Like if you think about every disaster that we've ever like gone and helped, people are angry just that's just part of that first wave. You know, you don't see me or there's not help quick enough. How did this happen? Um, The spiritual part is people either get close to God or away from God. Um, But behaviorally, you're going to have people like behaviorally, you're going to have all of those people drinking or, you know, acting out sexually. So there's all of these natural, normal things that happen after you've been traumatized that are just, um, and there's a bunch more, but just, just a sort of an idea that we physiologically, have respond to it. I tell people that when you've been traumatized, it's almost like getting the flu. And so you need to expect probably for most people, three to 10 days 
minimal just to get your body back to a place of, of connection. I mean, of um, back to a place of normality. Yeah. And so uh, like, for example, think about if you've ever had a car accident before, which is a traumatic event. Okay. And you've got that rush of chemicals and all of that. And it just, you're, you're shaky and you're hypervigilant. It just takes you time before you, your body starts to return back to a place of normal. Well, here's the challenge. Whether it was Hurricane Katrina that went on forever and ever or COVID, there's no coming back to normal. We don't, we don't know when normal is going to return. Normal. This becomes our normal. This has to become our normal for us. To, and it, it's, does, it does. It does. Right? Yeah, but it's still not normal, right? No, like it's, not it's normal. <laughs> right. Like it's the we ever know normal. I don't normal. know. Yeah, I did a series called The New Normal Isn't Normal, right? Is that here it is, is that it's just really not normal. And so you come back and you adjust and you we have resiliency, but there's still this part of your body that's kicked up. So your adrenal system is running, you're on hot, like your brain is sort of hypervigilant. And so the more that your that your adrenal system is running and that cortisol and and uh, epinephrine and norepinephrine, all that stuff is racing, the greater your chances of developing PTSD from the event, because we just need to come back into that place where our brain calms down. So, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, because you've heard a lot of my story that I've experienced a lot of trauma in my life. And I think that's why even my mom, when all this happened, she was like, are you okay? And I'm like, this is nothing compared to, like, I mean, this is a lot, but compared to the things that I've gone through, I didn't feel like a lot for me. So, and I do think, I mean, you think about kids who grow up in situations where all they know is poverty or all they know is that is their normal. So there's, it's, it's actually, it's hard for them to move away from those things um, you know, just because they're, it's, it, they've adjusted. It's like they've aligned to whatever their normal was when they were right. you know, growing up. So, but when you, I, and that's the thing you said, America, and I think that's a key thing because there's a lot of cultures who ha- have experienced yes. major a- adversity. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're, they're used to living with people around them with machine guns and, yep. and, bombs dropping. and yeah and bomb th- it's like bombs dropping and and war you know right down the street and maybe somebody could die in a car bomb i mean you know so for us our normal has been that and i and such a god thing because as americans we have experienced a lot of prosperity uh, a lot of um we've i mean and and, and in some ways you know, we have learned to cover up a lot of things too, because yes. there is, you know, we might, we, we at least give the appearance that life is good. And so that kind of creates this false reality in a lot of ways, you know, right. Right. but I think what you're saying is when something like a pandemic happens, all that stuff comes to the surface. So if there's anything that's been done behind doors or anything that's being done in secret or any kind of, you know, any kind of major issues that we might be having or that have had in the past, suddenly that's all there in our faces. And so that's, is that necessarily a bad thing? I mean, if we know how to deal with it, I mean, because it's not, really- it's not. in fact, that's, you know, the, the piece of is that I appreciated you bringing up is that, you know, that there are people like you and me and others who've had a lot of pain in our lives. And so, 
you know, it's been interesting because watching, you know, I have a, a lot of clients who have experienced horrific trauma and they actually, for the most part, have done pretty well over this experience because there, there is value in suffering. And so if we spend a lifetime running from pain and never like allowing ourselves to, to sit in the ashes and to well and to be comforted by God, right, then, then, there's, then there's basically like we really haven't benefited from the gift of suffering. And there is, there is gifts and pain. You know, I mean, I, I talk to people about, you know, post-traumatic growth. I talk about, you know, like, I live in a community in a state that's very familiar with suffering and with uh, trauma for sure. And I think about just um, Celebration Church, which which is who I worked uh, for for a long time. And, you know, after Katrina, I mean, literally, because this was a church that came in and, and worked and, and moved into suffering. And again, you know, 144,000 families received care after the, the first year after Katrina, well, there were thousands of people who were saved during that experience. And wow. so there is this place of is that when people suffer, there is um, an openness to God and there is the opportunity for there to be healing and, and for there to be growth and beauty that comes from the ashes, right? Like you are an example, Michelle, of, of beauty from the ashes, right? And that there is this um, post-traumatic growth that comes that basically where God never wastes any of our pain um, if we'll allow him to use it. I love what you just said, because that's where I was going next. Because a lot of that is choices, you know, that we make in the suffering. Um, I know I've seen people who have gone through maybe some of the same things that I've gone through and their choices were different. And I see the results of those choices because I've seen them 20 years later and gone, my gosh, you know, I'm just so grateful that I, I actually listened and obeyed what God's word says about choices that we make when it comes to people hurting us or abuse or any of those things and still choosing that forgiveness, still choosing to say, Lord, I'm going to trust you regardless of the outcome. And, and, and that's, that's really a place of surrender. And that, that's something I teach on so much is that you really have to get to the place where you say, okay, whatever your will is, whatever you, you know, you want from my life, I, I'm going to trust you. I, cause a lot of it is we want to understand it. We want to control it and you can't control it and you can't understand it. And until you get to the place where you just go, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to do that anymore. I'm willing to just say, I don't understand it. I don't, I can't control it. I don't know why I've, I, my, my, my sister, you know, she's lost her entire career in this for absolutely, you know, she's like, what am I going to do now? And you have to get, there's that stage. I think you're right. And are there stages that you go through when trauma happens where you can, you, some people get stuck in those stages and they never get past that. Is that, do you see that? Yeah, there's there's stages and there's stages in disaster, there's stages in trauma, stages in grief. You know, like we talk about like that grief piece of basically people just getting stuck sometimes. And 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 I want to say this, Michelle, is that I think I think this is really where the church and you know could could really continue to be a great resource for people 
it's because first of all, sometimes people don't understand that they're stuck and they don't understand how to get out of being stuck. Right. right? And they don't have people that are sitting around, you know, that can sit in those places that can help them heal. So it's, there's a lot of reasons for, for being stuck. And um, uh, yeah. And so I think that it's, I think that there definitely is so much that's needed just in, in our local churches and our, and our pastors and, I could get definitely sidetracked on this, but I, I definitely, uh, I think, I, I think, yeah. yeah, I hear. Well, because yeah. our expectation and I always tell people this, because usually what happens is when people go through trauma, people are so shocked mm-hmm. at how they act after trauma. They're yeah. just like, I don't even know her. I mean, who is she? What is wrong with her? And I, and I actually, and I, I'm a family members going through this right now. And some of my other family members were not having a lot of mercy. And I just said, you need to understand she you're having expectations on a person who is in ICU. Yes. And when you're in ICU, you don't, if somebody's in ICU, you don't, you don't expect them to get off the table and leave the the hospital. You're like, okay, I'm okay with you in ICU. I'm going to bring you meals. I'm going to care for you. I'm going to care for your family. And really that that's the bottom line is as the church, we don't know how to do that. Yeah. Now, and we do, I think, I think that there are pockets and places that, you know, like if somebody's got cancer, like if it's yeah. a physical ailment, True. You know, boy, yeah. we can go to the hospital, we can sit in, but if it's, if it's something that involves like a mental health crisis, yes, you know, there's just too much shame around this and, it and it's complicated, right? Because there is choice in that. And then there's also, there's also places that are not about choice. There's places about basically like, really really like desperation and 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 just struggle and so it's like how do we like learn how to go in and sit in these places and really allow um god to help us because you know it's it's really hard to sit with people who are suffering and i have to say this michelle this is the other challenge right now is that um this isn't like a time when we can go into a community and help a community recover we are also suffering as those that are responding. So you've got like, I'm like, I feel so much compassion right now, empathy for our pastors because yeah. our pastors are just being pressured like never before, right? Like yeah. they they have their own families and their own children that are going through this, their own family challenges, their churches, the challenges of can we meet, can we not meet? How do we keep people safe? The racial tensions, you know, I like Uh, And then there are people and pastors are, you know, the expectations and they wear a lot of masks and all. And so I I have personally been very, very, very um, saddened. And because I personally work with lots of pastors just to see the damage that's being done to our pastors. Right. And um, and so they're the ones that are expected a lot of times to carry the weight of helping others who are suffering. Well, what happens when they're suffering, too? No, I know. And you see that a lot. Yeah, yeah. I see that a lot. And because they they're they're we're taught that it makes us look weak. We're we're, we're you know, and right. we can't trust anyone. Um, leaders, especially, I, I talk to so many leaders because right. they know they can trust me because of what I've been through. Right. Um, and you know, they just need a place, an outlet to be able to say, here's where I'm failing and I need your help to not fail. Yeah, and I'm not okay. I'm not okay. And so we're, we're not taught to do that. And we're not even allowed to in some, some circles. So right. 
that we do, I think, let's talk about, we've got about 20 minutes and I want to make sure we talk about solutions because let's, let's, let's start with the church and then we'll talk about individuals, but from a church standpoint right now, what are some things churches can be doing? Yeah. You know, I I love, um, I love like how, um, obviously celebration is an example, um, as a church that I'm connected in with that I think did a really wonderful job. Um, you know, they basically like, right. When all of this particular, of course, this is a church that is very used to going in and responding to pain. Um, you know, we had major hurricane on the other side of our state. They're over there working. I mean, even with the COVID piece, it's, so they run to pain. So this particular church, so when they were limited, you know, with the whole COVID thing, they use the online platform. So there were, you know, I was teaching classes for them about, hey, how do you do self-care right now? How do you basically deal with the trauma of this? How do you take care of yourself? They were doing marriage classes on marriage. They were doing things on parenting. They were really trying to give resources to children. And they, and so they, they, and they, you know, basically were encouraging all of their pastors, always encourage their pastors to go for counseling, you know, go get help, you know, big time. And so there was, I mean, that's just a few of the way they've been out. uh, They've been basically doing food boxes and, you know, and just doing things for these families that basically are still struggling because their jobs have been lost and all of that. So there's practical things you can do. There's emotional things you can do. They're, they're preaching right now. They're doing a series around, um, you know, what spiritual, like what does the Bible say about racial relationships? And it's a very multi-ethnic, um, pop, you know, church congregation. And so they're dealing with, they just don't shy away. I love it. So they, they talk about it. Yeah. They hit head on with hard things that a lot of people have a hard time talking about. Yeah. Cause it's scary. We wanna, and we want to pretend like they don't even exist. I mean, that's so their way of coping. They're dealing, they're, they're hitting it head on. I love that they're doing that racial, you know, whole yep. thing. that's, that's amazing because Again, something in our culture right now where we're not even talking about that because it's like, we don't want to upset anybody. We don't want any, you don't know who's going to be offended. It's like, so yeah, that's awesome. No, it's all, they're like directly like, unless we're that. going in and we're going to have conversations and we're talking about it and there's just, you know, and it's not easy, right? And um, it's yeah. not easy to have those conversations. And so I, I think in the sense, I mean, like, so one of the things that, that Dennis did, who's a senior pastor is that very good friends with um, um, the pastor at one of our uh, uh, African-American churches in the community. And uh, Fred Luter was the first African-American um, uh, leader of the, of the Southern Baptist Convention a few years ago. And so Dennis and Fred came together and they did a podcast together for, for the you know community. It was like, let's go in and together we're really good friends and let's talk about the racial pieces. So yeah, it's like, really like let's go in let's get resources for our people and let's talk about them and then let's let's bring the experts in who knew know how to do things that um you know can help our people deal with this let's normalize it let's talk about self-care let's talk about you know let's provide the things that are going to help restore and bring meaning and wholeness and health it's awesome i love it now what about on a personal level because we're you know on every so you know, like, um, and, and I've had to really, I was telling a girl this and she was like, wow, that's amazing that you think like that. But I literally actually monitor my emotions, my, 
mental health, my physical health, I'm constantly in tune to myself, like to yeah. think through what I might need if I, if there's, you know, I, I can tell when I need a break, I can tell, I don't eat a lot of red meat, but I know when I need to eat it, you know, I can, t I feel that. And not everybody knows how to do that, but really on a daily basis, especially right now, I mean, we need to be monitoring those things. And then how does God come into all of that? I mean, what are you seeing? What are you, what are you telling your, your people that you're counseling? My people. Well, my, my people, basically, um, we do a lot of work around, um, you know, like practical um, ways to take care of yourself. Okay. And I think that, you know, and I'll, I'll throw out some that we do, but self-care is huge. And a lot of times people are like, well, you know, we're not really supposed to basically be focused on ourselves as believers. Well, here's the thing. The Bible says that we're to love others like we love ourselves. Right, right. So if we're going to be able to be able to love others well, yeah. then we have to sort of put that oxygen mask on. And, you know, like, you know, we put it on us before we put it on our kids on an airplane. It's the same thing is that that we really have to take good care of ourselves. And so I think I'll divide it up into sections and talk about each one real quick and just talk about like some examples good. of that. Michelle. Is that, you know, when you talk about basically uh, physical self-care, for example, things like, you know, people hate me for saying this, but when you're going through traumatic times, like caffeine and sugar is the worst thing to be doing. Um, because basically those things kick up your brain when we're trying to calm it down. So you want healthy diets. You want to basically do things like exercise and rest, sleep, having in normal routines and right. doing things that are going to basically be um, ways that you're going to, you know, take care of your body, right? Just from the, the basically just simple as drinking enough water and getting enough sleep. Those things are really critical, right? Um, the psychological self-care, when you think about those emotions, when you talked about, hey, I'm aware, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the first place you got to pay attention, right? Because right. we're so other focused and outward focused. But one of the things that I, I talk to people a lot about is how do you talk to yourself? Do you talk to yourself in a way that, um, that you would never talk to other people? Like most people talk to themselves very differently than they talk to other people. And they, they do a lot of self-shame and a lot of putting down and critical internal thinking. And so it's like really making some space to go like, I, I really work a lot with people about self-kindness and how do you really talk to yourself differently? Um, it's basically like seeing a counselor, you know, there already has been a lot of um, growth from going through crisis. And so one of them is the whole counseling world is now able to do telehealth, which we couldn't do before COVID. And so, you know, getting to a counselor is easier now. Like people can go and have counseling and sit at their house. You know, they can yeah. basically do that differently. So writing in a journal, there's so much research around journal and um, journals and meditation and basically just sort of decreasing your stress and slowing things down and basically like, um, really practicing giving and receiving. I mean, all those are good things that basically are helpful for psychological. And these are just a few, there's lots more. Um, the emotional self-care, this is the one where basically, you know, you wanna spend time with others. You wanna use that self-compassion piece. 
Um, you want to do things that are that, that, that are comforting for you. You yeah. know, I tell people all the time that one of the things that really helps me because, you know, people are like, how do you do what you do, Michelle? Like you, you know, you, the stories you hear and I mean, I work with survivors of cults and people who've been horrifically abused in all kinds of ways. How do you do that? And I say, well, because I have to make sure that I am taking good care of me, but also like pursuing beauty, um, making sure that like I am doing things that are beautiful to me and creation, our creation is one of those, right? So going and being outside and finding beautiful places and allowing the Lord to just sort of soothe us and minister to us yeah. through his, his you know, nature. Um, giving yourself permission to cry, right? Allowing yourself to, to feel and express, um, play. Those are all really good emotional self-cares. And then the last one's a spiritual one. And so for me, I don't know how people who don't have God really survive. Yeah, I don't, I don't even understand how no. they, no, I, I think that basically like when scripture says to us, blessed are those who mourn for they'll be comforted. There's nothing sweeter than basically being in the hardest place of your life and, and having such severe pain and loss. And, but, but Jesus sitting next to you in that place and really seeing you. Uh, people don't understand that Jesus like is the greatest trauma survivor of all time, yeah. not just because of his own trauma, but because yeah. he literally is present for every trauma that happens to every person in the entire world. And he sits in that as an impacted by that. And so to be able to, to sit with him and know that he sees us, he loves us, he cries with us, he cares about us. Um, that for me is, I, you know, is just critical through worship, through learning, through his word, you know, allowing him to come in and, and, and just heal our brokenness, take those broken hearts and, and bring beauty from the ashes. I love it. I love it. Um, you know, one of the times that have been my darkest moments in life have really been the times that I felt like absolutely hopeless. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of it was just my perception of the hopelessness in the moment because the reality wasn't my perception. The reality was God was going to be with me. He would take care of my kids. And I'm speaking specifically of when I went through a divorce with my kid's father and here I have four kids that I've got to take care of. Right. And literally I had such a sense of hopelessness, like in despair and the world was so dark. And I think that, you know, it says in um, Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And, and really I'll say that again, hope deferred, right? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And when we really look at it, our hope is in Christ. I mean, that is, that is where our hope is. So if we don't have Christ, right. I don't see that. That's why you're saying, I don't see how people do it without God right. because hope deferred makes the heart sick. Well, if that's making my heart sick because I have no hope, I have no Christ because, and that's where, you know, when you say, well, I'm not of this world, you know, this is a, a temporary life. And, and that's a perspective that we have to hang on to because, you know, today I was hearing, seeing some comments that my brother wrote just about what's happening in response to the election. And I just told him, I said, you know, the great news is that this is temporary. That's right. You know, this is not forever. I mean, we do not have to live like this forever. Forever for us is eternity. 
you know, and so that's where our hope lies. And so, I, I mean, so much of really, and not discounting that people can't get there because it, sometimes it takes people a while to get to that Healing place. Healing is a process. And, I, and I'll say this day. real quick, Michelle, just in the senses is that as, as churches, I think sometimes we think that healing needs to be like this and it can be, yeah. Jesus can do this, but oftentimes he doesn't, most of the time he doesn't, because there's so much value in the process of healing. Mm -hmm. And, and there's so much of that, as you talk about of that sort of that ability to like deepen the roots in Christ and deepen our appreciation for who he is. And, and so the, you know, I think in the sense is as if anything, if I could just speak one more thing would be, it's just for, yeah. for church yeah. leaders would be just like, gosh, please give people the, the, the opportunity to heal at their rate. Right. Like I've heard people two months after the a horrific, you know, loss or somebody that they love died say, aren't you finished with your grief yet? Yeah. Like, shouldn't you be over this? And, you know, it's just like, it's horrible. Like, what? I People say the darndest things. They I mean, do. Oh my gosh, they do. Like it's shocking to me when the things it's just that uncomfortable. It because that's more about them. They can't handle the pain, and so that's a good point because you really have to also make sure you're who you who you hang around is who you are who you are right. So not allowing yourself to be around people who are going to pour that kind of negative and and kind of bring you especially when you're in a place of trauma or re recovering, you need, I, I had somebody tell me after my divorce, they said it was a counselor and he just said, keep your circle very small, very, very small and make sure that, that it's the right, the, that they're safe people who are gonna love you through the process. Sure. And I, that was some of the best because we tend to wanna call every single person we know and go, oh my gosh, this is happening, this is happening. and. And then we're always shocked when some people can't handle that or they just kind of give us that negative response. People need to earn the right to sit in your story with you. Like I you love know, that. I that's love something that. you need to be super, super careful about is that, yeah, not, not everybody, not everybody <clears throat> has the right to that story. They need to, you need to know that that person, you can trust them with that and trust them to sit in those really um, broken places. Yeah, I think that's, you know what, that is such wisdom right there. And I think that's, I mean, truly, that's something I had to learn over time because I'm a very trusting person. Right. And it doesn't make, you don't have to become an untrusting person, but you do need to understand that the boundaries of, of making sure that you can trust somebody and make sure that they earn the right to sit in your space and, and hear your story. I love that. I love that, Michelle. Well, as always, you give us so many, I could spend another few hours talking about this because there's so much that you can bring to people. Are, can people contact you or do you have any resources that you can send them or is that too yeah. much for you? No, no. The, the, um, so the website of where I work and the contact information is www.refuge182.com. Um, I would say, Michelle, I think one re one really, really nice place to send people to that I think has been super helpful for my clients and others. Um, I have a dear, dear friend who's been in the trenches doing trauma work for, he's my mentor. Um, he's been in the trenches for 40 years plus, and he has a website called Byron, B-Y-R-O-N, Keeler, K-E-H-L-E-R.com. 
And on his website is uh, a number of resources, but one, uh, a couple of those. One is uh, his pastor, he and his pastor have done a workshop on uh, healthy emotions. Like, so his pastor, Mark Allen Schlesky has written a book called The Wisdom of Your Heart, which is, well, uh, it's an amazing book about uh, biblical exegesis on emotions, but really practically, how do we as believers have healthy emotions? Um, and then also on Byron's, so that there's a workshop um, on there. And there's also a workshop for um, adults who have been traumatized as children, um, childhood trauma, um, which has got so much wisdom in it, it's, it's overwhelming. So um, that would be a really great resource right now. Byron also has a number of things, as well as if someone wants to email me, I can send some resources as well of things that I've done that's been disaster and trauma and COVID related and all of that that could be helpful for people um, as well. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Thank you so much. That's wonderful. You want to pray before we? Oh, I would love to. Thank you so much. Father God, we just um, want to thank you so much for just um, the opportunity. I want to thank you for the opportunity just to be able to sit with Michelle. And I just want to pray blessings over her and over her ministry. And just I pray, Father, that you will take what um, she is doing and you will multiply it a million times over that so many people will be impacted and lives changed because of her faithfulness. And Father, we do want to pray because we, I have no idea who's going to listen to this conversation, but God, you know, and I pray that they're, um, that the people that are listening to this, Father, that they will know that they are not alone in their pain, that they may feel really isolated and alone right now, but you are present in their pain. You care about their pain deeply. Your heart is broken for what breaks our hearts. Um, our pain matters to you. Um, you are a God who um, has spent, you know, an entire, entire, you know, all of creation really trying to create um, a relationship with us, pursue us, and then reconcile and restore broken hearts and lives. Like you specialize in, in redeeming broken hearts. And so, Lord, we know that we don't understand 2020. We don't understand why 2020 has happened. We don't understand what's happening in the world and just the, the painful things. It almost feels like every morning we wake up and there's another thing happening and it just feels so intense right now. But God, we, we are asking you to sustain us and hold us and to just basically help us to keep our focus on you. And to know that like on the back of a tapestry, it looks like a mess, but when you turn it around, it's, there's beauty. And so we're just asking you to not waste one moment of suffering for any of us, that whether or not this is something I, I know spiritually you want to use uh, in people's lives so that people can maybe turn to you uh, in new ways. And, and I know that many people have come to Christ since COVID started. I know people are watching services online and there's, there's more access to the gospel right now. And so we thank you for that. And so we just thank you to redeem um, all of the, our suffering in ways, Lord, that, that will honor you and will help us to, to be the people that you've created us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you, Michelle. That was awesome. And thank, thank you guys you. for joining us today on um, Boss Talk. We will see you again soon. Thank you for joining me here today on Boss Talk. Now you go out and shine like a boss.